Eagles Entertainment. With the 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft Podcast, presented by Life Friend. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and we've got day two of Senior Bowl practice to break down. But first, we're going to th- start things off with Mr. Relevant, where Brandon Thorne makes his return to the show. You can check out Brandon's work uh, over at Trench Warfare. His Substack it is outstanding. And one of the things uh, that he did, uh, look, he covers all things offensive line, NFL and college. He put out his list of the top Senior Bowl offensive linemen. He ranked all the guys that were set to come here to Mobile, Alabama. So he provided that list beforehand. So now I'm going to get a little bit of an update. He's gone through, he's obviously watched uh, the first two practices, but he went through the film from day one. So I want to kind of get his thoughts. I caught up with him before the second practice to get his thoughts after watching day one live and going back through the film. So we're going to talk through the guys that stood out to Brandon Thorne right at the top of the show here in Mr. Relevant. After that, we've got pick six with Dane Brugler, where we're going to get into the six big players that stood out to Dane from Wednesday's practice. It was uh, wet and wild. It was a steady rainstorm. I am just about dried off uh, at this point as I record this, but it was a, it was a rough afternoon uh, for those in attendance, but it was really good action uh, out there on the field. So I'm really interested to get uh, Dane's thoughts and who he thought stood out most to him. Uh, it'll be a, a good conversation there with Dane. Then we'll wrap things up with C-Mac in draft mailbag. We've got some good questions from you at home. We're going to have some more takeaways. We spoke with a bunch of players on Wednesday morning as well. We'll cover it all. Make sure, as always, you head on on over to our Apple podcast page. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Make sure you subscribe. All that good stuff. We're going to be back uh, every single day here from Mobile, Alabama. We've got two more episodes every week from now all the way up through April's draft. We're only a, a, what, a, a few weeks away now from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. So much coming. Make sure you are subscribed to the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. That said, let's get into it right now with Brandon Thorne and Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. All right, excited to welcome back to the show here for Mr. Relevant for the uh, the second time in a couple of weeks, uh, Brandon Thorne, uh, everybody's favorite offensive line guru. Brandon, thanks so much for uh, joining us here on the show once again. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's get into you've you've been through the film. You've obviously watched practice uh, from uh, from day one. I'm excited to get your thoughts uh, on offensive line. And we could start uh, with the national team coached by the New York Jets. Uh, Zion Johnson is a guy I know that you were really excited to watch coming into the week of practice. Uh, it should kind of get your thoughts on what he did uh, on day one. Yeah, I thought Zion played uh, pretty well in day one. Um, it's interesting. I think he did better in one-on-ones uh, at guard than he did at center and just better in one-on-ones at guard than he did even in team. I mean, team, I just finished watching team practice uh, for, for both national and American offensive lines, and it was just really sloppy, man. I mean, just overall. just A lot guys, of guys on the ground. Yeah, guys on the ground, guys not coming off the ball on time, guys not executing the right assignment guys bumping into each other i mean it was just you know if, if you could find uh you know one or two reps out of the you know 30 plus or whatever that they did as a collectively as a unit then you know that that was a good thing um so you know it was kind of tough to draw a lot from that some guys did stand out in team individually uh for sure and i, I thought zion had some pretty decent blocks in team but at the same time, man, it, he he also kind of struggled a little bit with uh, Jones um, from UConn resetting yep. the line of scrimmage on him. Um, so that you saw that a little bit with Zion. Uh, but I think he looked 
better at guard overall. And I guess he's going to be playing more center potentially today. Um, it'll be interesting. I love to see him just stick at guard, but, uh, but yeah, um, you, you definitely saw the play strength translate in one-on-ones, uh, how he was able to get his hands on guys early and just really do a nice job anchoring against, uh, power, uh, protecting against moves against his, uh, across his face. Um, so he, he did pretty good in one-on-ones, uh, Jones beat him clean. I think once when he was at center with like a little swipe move. Um, but overall, I think a, a pretty good day for him. Yeah. I talked with uh, Zion on Wednesday morning and he, he said one of the big things that he wants to be able to prove this week is that he's got that ability to play every single spot along the offensive line. We've seen him play left guard. We've seen him play left tackle. Uh, so seeing him get those center reps, he was uh, involved with the, the QB center exchange and warmups. And as you mentioned, uh, did some things on Tuesday at center. Uh, he also said that he was the backup center all season this year for Boston college. He worked at some center in the spring. Uh, he uh, worked on QB center exchanges uh, in practice throughout the course of the season so not completely foreign to him but just not a lot of that game action so uh, we'll see if he can continually improve on that over the course of the week uh, I like I said I know that Zion was your top guy coming in kind of the inverse of that I want to ask is there a guy that stood out to you you've been I haven't gone through the film you're like man like I was just really impressed with what this guy did on day one um so the only guy that I didn't uh, have a grade on and study and write a report on coming in was uh, the Carter kid from Southern. Um, you know, out of the swack. And I mean, I, I thought he played pretty well yesterday, man. I mean, uh, he had one rep and one-on-ones um, where he got, you know, beat inside and, and pushed on the ground kind of in his anchor, just walked back. And then the very next rep, an excellent jump set on the same guy. Um, and then in team, he was as, as good as anybody else there. I think I thought on that side of the offensive line, I mean, he was good on uh, the double teams they were running as far as getting a bump and feeding the guy over before climbing. I feel like of the four or five bigger runs that they hit in team, two or three of them were off the back of him. Mm. Uh, so, you know, he definitely stood out, man. I mean, he played tackle at Southern. He's going to play guard, obviously, in the NFL. Uh, a lot heavier than he was listed, which is nice. He looked bigger on film as well. I watched one TV game because I don't have any film of them, uh, but I watched him on TV just to get a little idea what he looked like. and. Definitely a bigger guy than you would think. So I think he was listed, uh, you know, 280 or 275, something crazy like that on the team site. Now he's over 300. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I mean, he, he was a pleasant surprise. I thought um, he looked pretty good. His, his strength, I think, is um, better than you would expect for somebody coming from a lower level like that. But uh, he definitely held more than held his own, I thought, yesterday. Yeah, he he was a, a really good basketball player in high school, and you could see the the that movement uh, when you turn on the film at Southern. Uh, his uh, you you've told me many times over the past. You know, I ask you what's the most important athletic trait, and you've you've always pointed uh, to that play speed, that ability to get out of his stance uh, and get from A to B, and he can do that. You can that that pops uh, right away. A little bit of a late addition uh, to the game. He was a late invite um, just a, a couple of weeks ago. He was added to the roster, but uh, yeah, he he flashed yesterday, and I'm excited to see what he can because. That's one thing I'm always interested to see with the small school guys, even if it doesn't start off well, is, all right, well, how do you look from day one to day two to day three? Not everybody's going to look like uh, Quinn Miners last year where day one off and running and one of the best guys uh, on the field. I'm interested to see what what Carter looks like as the week continues to progress. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a guy I'm going to be watching closely. Um, as far as guys I was lower on, I mean, I thought Braxton Jones was, wasn't was bad uh, yesterday, especially in the run game. He was a better okay. rumble 
at Southern Utah than pass protector, in my opinion, anyway. And you definitely could see some of that grip strength, um, I think, is, is definitely impressive with him. And to have the 36-inch arms and have strong hands is, is definitely a good a good pairing. His anchor, you know, was a little bit of an issue, which it was on film as well. But I think in the run game, he did, he did some pretty nice things. Uh, Stuber in one-on-ones was impressive. Um, you know, I thought he would need to kick inside to guard uh, from right tackle Michigan. He did pretty good in one-on-ones. Um, team, a little up and down, just like most of the other guys. But uh, I think you saw a strong, you know, outside strike from him in pass protection where he was able to clench on guys and, and sustain blocks. Uh, pretty good anchor. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, pr- pretty decent for him. Um, you know, and then Cole Strange uh, looked pretty good as well at center. Um, so, those are some guys that I was, you know, Cole Strange, I had a fourth round grade coming in on, but the other guys I was pretty lower, lower on and uh, definitely want to go back and, you know, maybe watch a little bit more of them. But yeah, I mean, probably the biggest standout overall, though, was uh, Dylan Parham, you from know, Memphis. from Memphis. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, coming in, I was, you know, he was right in the grouping with, you know, Sawyer, Hayes, Mays, Gadecki, Kennard. They were all kind of grouped tightly for me. Um, but I had him as, you know, like a top eight offensive lineman uh, coming in. And, you know, he, if anything, just did, you know, helped his uh, grade even just because we got to see him at center. You know, he had never played center before. Um, and he looked really smooth there, really good. His play strength uh, definitely translated from film, which that was one of the more impressive things I thought for him on film was his play strength. Even though he looked smaller on tape, he was very strong. His game against Logan Hall, I think, uh, says all you need to know about him um, as a player. He really got after him. Um, he had a little bit of struggles early in that game against him, but as the game wore on, I felt like he wore Hall down. Um, so I think we saw a lot of the play strength translate, but then the quickness as well, the natural leverage, uh, to, to get around guys and reach guys in the zone run game and team, um, pretty good on one-on-ones. Like, yeah, I think Parham to me overall, has probably been the most impressive guy on either side. Interesting. Uh, my last question for you is this, uh, a couple of the larger offensive linemen in attendance. So obviously, uh, Daniel Falele from, from Minnesota, uh, you can go Trevor Penning, uh, from Northern Iowa and we'll throw DK Kennard, uh, in there from Kentucky of those three guys, uh, who stood out most to you in a positive way, uh, from day one. Um, probably Kennard. Uh, I think Kennard was better than those two. Um, just from what I saw, uh, you know, not that he was great, but he definitely had some good moments, you know, then then to practice was nice how he rebounded and sure you know, after losing that rep uh he you know he he uh he had a couple instances where he dipped his head into contact which we saw on tape a lot and it causes him to get knocked off blocks quickly but at the same time he was able to create torque on guys you know at different points and show some of the natural power that he has so you know i think it was a overall pretty pretty solid day for him um i thought the other two guys struggled uh especially penning he he really struggled, man. Um, you know, his, uh, I think his hand placement is, is a, a pretty big issue. It was something I put in the report. I thought he was oftentimes wide, late, high with his hands. And I think that really got him into trouble. We had some really ugly reps, uh, in one-on-ones and in team, um, where he just got beat inside, uh, his inside shoulder either got lifted and he got pried open or he just got beat inside clean. Um, so definitely a lot to clean up. Uh, there for him just in terms of practice you know it's some of the same issues that were on tape as well but 
I think hand placement with him, um, it, you know, is probably the biggest thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought he struggled, man. And then Falele, you know, one-on-ones, um, he had, uh, he got ran over by Majai Sanders, uh, which is not the guy you want to get run over by. Um, but it was, you know, Sanders, uh, actually hit an inside spin on him and Falele just couldn't transition into his anchor in time. You could just see a little, maybe a little sluggishness there. Um, and he just got tripped up and fell and then he lost the rep before just clean around the corner. Just, 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 you know, Sanders blew by him. Um, uh, team w- wasn't bad for Falele, I don't think. Uh, but one-on-ones was, was, uh, you know, a struggle for him. So look, I'm really interested to see how they rebound, you know, I mean, first day of practice, you take it with a grain of salt, especially for guys, you know, like us, we're, you know, we're going in knowing what they are as players on tape. So, you know, we're not going to be moved too much with what we see in practice. It's just, you know, you, you take it with a grain of salt and hope, hope to see improvement today. That's the big thing is just seeing how guys improve uh, is one of the biggest parts of this week of practice. And uh, we are recording this about uh, two hours before practice two kicks off. And we'll see. Uh, we'll have the rest of our breakdown from day two uh, with Dane and with CMAC here on the rest of the show. All right, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to doing it again. Now it's time for pick six. All right, well, let's spin this forward to Wednesday's action uh, from Mobile, Alabama, as I welcome in Dane Brugler for pick six. And, Dane, uh, it was a wet one uh, out there today, as I referred to earlier. Uh, definitely unique practice conditions on both sides of the football. Uh, I'm interested to get, to get your thoughts on who the number one player was that stood out to you uh, from Wednesday. Yeah, and the theme yesterday on Tuesday's practice was defense, uh, specifically the defensive line. And, spoiler, it was a lot more of the same uh, mm. Wednesday. And I think we have to start with talking about Perrion Winfrey, Oklahoma uh, defensive tackle, 35 and a half inch arms, almost 86 inch wingspan. He flashed consistently on Wednesday uh, throughout the the practice. Quick first step. You see the flexibility for a big man like that with the rip, the spin move, um, power. Uh, uh, And he can win it different ways. And I thought, you, you know, the way he showed in the run game and then when he's rushing the passer, he did it in team drills, did it one on ones. And you could see this on tape. Uh, you see these flashes where he's creating movement, where he's driving blockers. But this week, he's just been more consistent, specifically today's practice. And I, I think it's still fair to question the consistency. But what he's shown here today uh, at practice, I think it. this is what it looks like when all cylinders are firing on, on every single snap. So to me, what stood out about Perry and Winfrey today, it was, it was gross outside. It was miserable out there for four hours. And there are those guys are out there for, for two of them. And it was one of those, like, you have to get excited to want to be out there, you know, especially early on, uh, you know, those, those jets practices, it's a lot of like indie special teams walk through very early on. He was setting the temperature for that defense and for that unit. He like sparked that process or that practice to life in terms of the energy that he brought, the intensity that he brought, uh, not only kind of firing up the defensive line, but he's turning around and getting other members of the defense fired up. He's jawing with the, the offensive line. Now those guys are drawing back and just the intensity level was raised up, not one notch, like two or three notches. Anytime he was out there, he comes to the sideline. He's chirping with the, not just with the opponent, but uh, you know, kind of coaching up. Uh, some of his teammates, you know, I don't know, like I, me personally, like I came away thinking like Perry and Winfrey was one of those temperature setters, one of those tempo setters uh, for a defense. I think that's going to catch a lot of people uh, with the way that he kind of carried himself at this practice. 
Yeah, I think he spent more time uh, with his feet off the ground. Uh, he's constantly jumping up and down, and right. uh, you know, it, whether it's a chest bump or whether he's jumping on, you know, the, his teammates. I mean, it was it was it was fun to watch, especially like you said, in those conditions where it's easy to kind of be uncomfortable and it, you know, kind of play it down a little bit. He was raising it up, so that, that was awesome. And also, not like from a like a Tommy Tryhard standpoint too. Like this, right. this you talked about like the size. This guy is explosive, powerful. He is, and this is this shows up on film too. Like he is so violent and so physically imposing. Like he's like that kind of a guy. To have that kind of presence, uh, I think, is important for a defense. So uh, Perry and Winfrey, totally agree with you uh, with what he showed today. Who's your next guy? Uh, I'm going to go to Kingsley Anigbari, mm. uh, who looked good on day one, and I yeah. think that continued uh, on, on day two of practice. Consistently quick off the ball, attacking with power. Uh, really like how he keeps his balance through contact. And, and Fran, I saw you tweet a few clips yesterday uh, when we saw him string some moves together, and I, we saw more of that today. He does a great job catching the and throwing away the wrists of blockers and then transitioning at the top of his rush. Uh, and, you know, yesterday we talked about how Deuce Staley pit Jermaine Johnson, Darian Kennard one-on-one with the rest of the team watching. Today, it was Enigbari versus San Diego State tight end Daniel Bellinger, and a little bit of a mismatch there. Uh, yeah. South Carolina rusher, uh, I mean, he just he, so quick off the ball. Bellinger had no shot of anchoring, uh, of matching the the power that uh, Enigbari was bringing, and so it consistently put Bellinger in reverse and on the ground. So uh, I, I thought uh, day two, day one, Enigbari helped himself. Same thing on day two. Uh, his power is evident. Uh, his uh, explosiveness to me, like one of the more underrated players, not here in mobile, but in the entire draft, because yeah. I think when you're looking at uh, the top edge rushers, we talk about the, the big names at the top and the, these seniors, whether it's Jermaine Johnson or with uh, Kingsley and Ibarra, kind of fall by the wayside. Uh, you can't forget about either of these two guys. You talked so much about Jermaine Johnson yesterday uh, and Ibarra really showed up well. And, and it was good to see uh, him do that and carry that forward here in Wednesday. Do you, uh, do you think he could get into the first round? I mean, I, I, I do. I, I do. When you talk about pass yeah. rushers that, that have juice like why can't he especially because mm-hmm. he can win uh with quickness and with power uh he's a non-stop effort guy right i mean so you're not talking about like plays off the production wasn't always that thing what do you have three and a half sacks this year or something like that and i think right. that's going to be a knock um but he led the team in sacks last year uh, i to me like this is a guy that you just start, you start checking boxes with kingsley on and you feel pretty good about it overall yeah and i've had him consistently just in that top 50 but just, you know, didn't get him to that top 32. He's kind sure. of been in that that early to mid-second round range. But, yeah, I agree. I, I Based off of – and not just based off what he's done this week, uh, but watching the tape and seeing he's got a projectable body, he's got length to him, uh, and he's a guy that came back for his senior year, added some weight, looked stronger this, this season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're running out of reasons why he, you know, couldn't sneak into the back half of round one. I mean, 35-inch arms, uh, 83-and-5-eighths-inch wingspan, uh, both of them in the 90-plus uh, percentile uh, for edge rushers drafted in the last decade. I mean, this guy is well put together uh, with his, you know, with with that length, with that wingspan, and that explosiveness. Um, yeah, there's not a lot to – there's not a lot to not like about King yeah. Zanabari. Maybe there's not that, like, A trait where, like, oh, he's great with this, but he just, he just does a lot of things well. Uh, so I don't blame you at all for having him as number two. Who's number three for your list today? Uh, Devontae Wyatt, uh, again, sticking on the defensive line, the, the Georgia defensive tackle, you know, watching him on film, uh, you know, easy guy to like, uh, but, you know, because in that Georgia the scheme where a lot of odd fronts and 
it, they didn't really give their defensive linemen uh, the opportunity to get upfield consistently. That was kind of reserved for the edge rushers and the linebackers. Now that Wyatt's got a chance to be one-on-one, he is unleashing hell on these blockers. A uh, combination of gap quickness, strong hands, uh, you know, using different moves. The motor uh, runs hot consistently. So he just looks like a natural three technique. Uh, and this is a, another guy, a chance that it kind of like, Talking about uh, Ngbari, uh, a guy that probably somewhere in the 32 to 50 range, but running out of reasons why he couldn't sneak into that first round. When I feel like after watching, especially watching uh, the first practice back on film, I feel like maybe I'm too low on Wyatt, you know, because he, he's another guy where you're just like, yeah, like quickness, strength, technique, effort, like. You feel pretty good about about what he brings to the table. Obviously, he was a, a really good player on the best defense in college football. So, uh, a lot to like there with Devontae Wyatt and his total package. Uh, who's number four here for you today? Uh, going with a personal favorite, John Ridgeway, uh, ah, nose tackle nice. from uh, Arkansas. And, you know, uh, Travis Jones from UConn, uh, again, was a wrecking ball. But, okay. you know, we talked about him yesterday. So, let, let's do a, a, a different nose tackle who's been awesome. And Ridgeway is that guy. Uh, he's a back alley guy. You know, I'd be scared out of my mind if I bumped into this guy in a back alley because he's he's so stout at 6'5", uh, long player. Uh, once he gets rolling downhill, forget about it. I mean, he can lock out, drive defenders backwards. He's just a bully at the point of attack. And he, he is taller. Like I said, he's just a shade under 6'5". And so the pads get a little high at times. But it doesn't matter with him. He doesn't lose that power. Uh, he's just so naturally strong, especially when he is able to use his hands. So high school wrestling background, uh, there, there's a lot to like about John Ridgeway. Uh, a unique body type for a nose tackle, but he's got that ability to overwhelm you. He did a nice job uh, for Arkansas this year after transferring up from the lower level. Um, yeah, and I think when you look at his uh, ability to translate, he's got that ability to win in the trenches. And whether that's uh, inside as a nose tackle or out as a five tech, I think he's got that positional flex uh, that will help him moving forward. Who's number five? Sticking on the defensive line, uh, Eric Johnson uh, from right. Missouri State, a late call up to the senior bowl. Very late. Uh, yeah, and he turn, he's been turning heads this week. Uh, it, it, I think it's very fitting that his Twitter handle is the creature uh, because at 6'4", 302, almost 35-inch arms, uh, he's, he's an imposing guy. Uh, you see a good mix of quickness, body control in the one-on-ones, uh, staying balanced uh, through contact so he can shed blocks. He was a standout last week at NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, both in the practices, and then I think he had a sack in the game Saturday, gets on a plane, gets over here to Mobile, and he hasn't missed a beat. Uh, and this is a player, again, from Missouri State, going up against blockers from Georgia, from LSU, and he's winning. So Eric Johnson, definitely a name to keep on the radar. Did not know about him until last week uh, with, that, with him catching some of that buzz uh, from the NFLPA game. And so good for him to really kind of ride that wave uh, down here to Mobile. Uh, who's the last guy here on your list? Uh, Troy Anderson, Mon Montana State. Uh, you know, during some of these drills, we get to see just the, how players flow. Uh, and it just, you know, seeing them with your with your own eyes and just see how they, they move, their, their play speed. Uh, it's something with Troy Anderson. It, it's really going to help him uh, from an evaluator's perspective. Uh, and there are plenty of times where he was receiving praise from the Jets coaching staff for his ability to play out in front. The play speed's outstanding. I think the big question for him based off of tape is just, you know, how can you know, can he correctly key and diagnose consistently in game action? But he's at least checking the box that he was supposed to check. And that's the athleticism part at six, three and a quarter, 242 pounds. 
Uh, he just doesn't look out of place here uh, with these other linebackers. With the even with uh, put him next to the the DBs, uh, the speed is terrific. The range uh, he's he's showing up where he's supposed to because he has uh, that that uh, play speed to get there before the rest of the defenders. You talked about you know some of the plays that he's made outside the numbers that that showed up both today and yesterday. Uh, I think that he's done a nice job from an athletic standpoint, but also playing through contact. He's really shown up well. Uh, he and Chad Muma have really flashed. Uh, each of the first two days of practice. So I'm glad you gave some love there uh, to the Montana State product, Troy Anderson. Uh, Dane, we'll continue breaking things down. Uh, we've got one more full day of practice. It has already been moved inside uh, due to the rain that is coming through this region uh, here in the next uh, 24, 36 hours. So uh, we'll have some indoor practice on Thursday, but we'll uh, we'll break down the, the big winners uh, from the week uh, here as we get ready for Saturday's game. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, time to wrap up tonight's show with uh, one Chris McPherson for Draft Mailbag. C-Mac, a little bit of a a different kind of day for the Senior Bowl. We are are just in the process of continuing. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but uh, I've been taking my uh, hair dryer here in the hotel room to my sneakers. Uh, I've got clothes, uh, multiple layers of clothes hanging up in the shower. Uh, we'll, We'll see how this goes for tomorrow. Here's the thing, uh, something that fans need to know, the difference, one of the many differences between Fran and myself, when Fran <laughs> travels, uh, we'll get it, let's let's just go, I'll, I'll dive in. When Fran travels, he takes a Temple duffel bag and nothing else and packs a week, two weeks, it doesn't matter how long the trip is, <laughs> he will get everything into this Temple duffel bag. Meanwhile, we could be going for a long weekend. It could be a three-day trip. We, I have a suit. I mean, like when we go Shrine Bowl and it's like Monday to Wednesday, you're packing this your, your monstrosity of a, this of a suitcase. suitcase, and it's it's one of those ones. If you filled it all the way, it wouldn't even pass the what fifty pound limit for the. I was going to say we we have been we have been at the airport times where you have had to take things out of your bag because it is too heavy for a three day trip. Fair point. It's true. <laughs> That's me. But here's but today was the advantage because I I pretty much prepare. For every scenario. Okay. I, I way overpack. That's perfectly fine. But you know what? I'm not worried about clothes the rest of the week. So I have been uh drying things off uh since we walked back into our hotel room about an hour ago. And uh we'll see. We'll see how this goes. I, I've got dry clothes on now and we'll I'll be good for for this podcast and for dinner, but uh we'll see what tomorrow brings. Uh that said, let's get into uh some of the things that stood out to us and, and answer some questions from uh some listeners at home as well. Uh let's do it. We'll start things off with our, our one play takeaway. What one play stood out most to you from uh, from the afternoon's action? One that stood out for me, uh, seeing the Penn State edge rusher, Jesse Lukita. Yes. Seeing him put six foot eight, 380 pound Daniel Falele on skate and knocking him to the ground during a team period. That, it, that was one that where I you saw it vividly happen live and you were just like, wow, like to see that happen. Uh, I will. And it's funny because actually on the same play, Colorado State tight end Trey McBride actually made a nice contested catch. I did not see right. fail to see who saw who, who made the throw on that play uh, because I, my eyes were drawn to seeing Lukita get file to the ground and then I saw the ball in the air. 
and Trey McBride makes a nice, you know, catch in traffic to, to complete it off. So I'll just go with the beginning and the end to there. Apologies because I didn't see that which quarterback threw it, but that was from uh, the national team uh, practice first thing in the morning. And, and people might be listening saying like, well, how, how is anybody doing that to, to Daniel Falalele with him being so big? And, and I would say, to, I'm going to bring you back to training camp from a couple of years ago. Uh, who was the, the one player that was always a thorn in the side of Jordan Mailata as he was still developing and figure things out? The smallest defensive lineman on the outside uh, in, in Joe Osman, right? And so that's, I think when you look at it for, uh, from a size standpoint, if your technique is not right, as an offensive lineman, and the same goes for defensive lineman going up against offensive lineman as well. Uh, if you get caught with a tight base, if your hands aren't where they need to be, uh, if the timing is not there uh, with your hands, right? If you if you let defenders uh, into your chest, and especially if you get caught with that tight base, we saw that a number of times with Falele on Tuesday. We saw it a couple times here Wednesday. It just means that you're continuing to see him grow and develop. Again, a guy that has only been playing football uh, for three seasons coming into this year. So uh, a guy still, you're you're banking on the come there uh, with Daniel. Certainly. No uh, question. It, it's actually interesting because I've joked after Jordan Mailata, you know, having his breakout season this year, I was waiting for another team to sign Joe Osman just to be like the <laughs> Jordan Mailata, uh, you know, you know, pain in the butt type of type of player there, but you actually, you know, there, we had the media day today. It was a media breakfast chance to get to talk to all the players. You had, you had a very good conversation about this very topic with the Virginia tech lineman. Ah, the, yes. With Lucita yeah. Smith. I was going to get to that uh, in a little oh. bit. I, to me, like, oh, spoiler. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, like we can get to that. I was going to ask you your, your favorite anecdotes from the media availability this morning with it. The, the, the senior bowl put on uh, a breakfast with, for media where they could uh, basically have a, uh, a chance to have some FaceTime uh, with the players, ask questions. There were press conferences and uh, you could pull players off to the side for some one-on-ones as well. Um, so we caught up with a, a bunch of players. I caught up with probably uh, like, you know, 12, 13 guys. I got to look at the, at the final list. I really enjoyed my conversation uh, with Lasita Smith, the, the left guard from Virginia tech who played next to Christian Darashaw last year. Remember he was a, a first round pick of the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, I remember actually watching Darashaw last year, and Lasita Smith stood out, you know, I'll, I'll kind of jot the name down and kept an eye. Oh, is this guy going to come out? We'll see. Uh, he ended up going back. And one of the things he was like, look, like I, one of the, I gave myself some motivation coming into the season that I wanted to be more than just, oh yeah, the guy that played next to the first round pick. Um, he said, there were things that I really wanted to improve on. He's a converted tight end C-Mac who made the move to offensive line in college. Uh, and he's a really athletic guy. You can see that he's able to, he gets out of his stance really fast. He's just a really natural athlete. But I asked him, I said, what was the one of the what were some of the big things you wanted to improve from your junior to your senior year? And he said he, he mentioned uh, I wanted to get better as a puller. I wanted to get up at the second level. I wanted to be better in pass protection. And those are all things that you would correlate with a guy who's a good athlete. You say, oh, well, he's a converted tight end. Like, of course, he's a good in pass protection. Oh, of course, he's a good puller. Of course, he's up good up at the second level. And he was like, no, like it's so much more than just the athleticism. And he talked about all the little things uh, that go into being successful on those plays. And I thought that that was really insightful from him. But then also uh, I asked him, you know, who was the toughest guy uh, you went up against? And he talked about um, uh, Kalijah Clancy, who's a defensive tackle uh, from Pitt, who we'll be talking about uh, down the road here next year, because uh, an underclassman, he, I think he's a redshirt sophomore this year. So he could have come out. He decided to go back to school. So he'll be one of the better defensive linemen in the country a year from now, but he's an undersized guy. And I just asked him, you know, what was the, the week of preparation like? 
leading up to that week because he's a different kind of body type. And he said it was so much different. Uh, you had to kind of get ready uh, for, you know, for something, obviously a guy with a different body type. I don't want to get on it too fast because I've got that, that ability to quick set. You don't want to get on it too fast because he's got quickness too, but you also don't want to retreat too often because you don't want to give him a runway. So I was always trying to mix up my sets, make sure that I was kind of attacking him at a different angle from different ways uh, throughout the course of the game. Uh, and it was just kind of an ins- some insight into his thought process. And I can tell you from going down to O-line masterminds, uh, the, the times that I have and, and talking with offensive linemen, um, you, you need that kind of mindset. Uh, going into a matchup on a weekly basis, not just that position at every position across the board, but uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with uh, Virginia Tech's Lasita Smith. I could tell very much so. I would say my favorite uh, two anecdotes that st- stood out. One, I'll highlight this one because I thought Malik Willis had a strong day in the afternoon, especially considering the rain and the elements. Um, but he was asked, you know, it's a typical question. What, why do you stand out? What makes you different than the other quarterbacks in this class? And I thought he was very personable, very engaging with the media. It's something you want to see, obviously, from a quarterback who's going to be the face of your franchise, leader of your team. But he was very point blank. It was like, well, for starters, my name, <laughs> you know, and then he you know, went into just how, you know, he's confident in his abilities. But every quarterback who's here should be confident in their abilities. You know, we're all the best of the best. We're trying to compete and get better. Um, you know, it's just one of those common cliche questions that all guys get asked at these types of events. I thought he. He handled it well, so I'll give Malik Wells the points there. Two, I enjoyed my uh, conversation with Kobe Bryant. Uh, talked a lot about his growth, his development from last year. Uh, one of the things he said, you know, playing opposite of uh, Mod Sauce Gardner, knowing that he was going to get the attention of opposing quarterbacks and offenses every week, and he kind of just relished the challenge and thought it made him such a better player uh, because he knew the ball was coming his way each and every game. And the one thing he said was that when he won the Thorpe Award for for being the nation's top defensive back, Sauce Garner was probably happier than he was, you know, to see him win. Um, But the last question I asked him was uh, about the Mamba Mamba mentality because he was named after Kobe Bryant. And he said that's just something that he's carried with him through life and it's allowed him to become a better player. It's It's aided in his development. It's allowed him to stay focused and on the right track. And that's why. I, I know you've documented his growth where last year he was projected to play in the Shrine Bowl, and now he's here as one of the top defensive backs at the, at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I mean, a guy that really, really helped himself with how he played, how he performed uh, this year in his final season. Um, one other guy that I thought really had a strong senior year, and it occurred to me that I did not answer my own question about uh, the one play that stood out most to me um, from this afternoon. We talked earlier about Perry and Winfrey, and uh, you know, Dane talked about what he saw on the field. I talked about the just his tone-setting mentality and how he really set the temperature uh, and set that intensity level for the that entire defense, really for that entire practice. Um, there was a play, and this was – well into the practice. So at this point, he had already been like that guy. We were we were talking about him in the stands like, man, like Winfrey is just all over the place uh, in this game. It felt like anytime there was a big play, uh, you know, it was it was that Oklahoma helmet uh, in the backfield. So we're saying, oh, here comes Winfrey. He's coming back out. Uh, it was a t- team drill. He knifes into the backfield. I believe it was a quick swim move, wraps up the running back, punches the ball out, gets the ball on the ground. And then picks it up. So it was just like, man, and everybody's going nuts. And he's going, he's going bananas. Like, so to, to me, like, okay, like the, the spotlight's on, he's already been performing at such a high level. And then he comes out and he makes this huge play. And so it was like, yeah, like Perry and Winfrey uh, to me, like kind of stole the show uh, today. I'm going to follow up on that. Um, you on, on previous seasons of this podcast, 
Ben used to have the Get Off the Bus award winner. Yes. I feel like Perry Winfrey would be that guy for you. He, like, I, th- I think he is. Uh, it's funny that, uh, you know, we, we were talking with Dan uh, in the last segment uh, and he used the, the term, the, uh, the dark alley player and talk and talking about, I believe it was uh, about John Ridgeway. And that's how I referred to, uh, to Winfrey, to you guys. Thank the movie. You. Like, yeah, he's, he's the dark alley guy. Like he is very physically imposing. Uh, and just with the, uh, the intensity and the competitiveness and the urgency that he plays with, he's just such a violent player. Uh, and that comes through in a, in a number of different ways and not just down here. Again, this is what he has put, on film uh, at Oklahoma each of the last two seasons. Um, you know, we, we talked about him late in the fall. I watched a lot of Oklahoma uh, just to, you know, they happened to be the, the best game on TV as I was watching college Saturdays. Um, and that defensive line was just so, so strong. They've got a couple guys uh, that, are, that are here at the senior bowl, uh, but Winfrey was the best player on the field a lot, uh, very often. And just a guy that's always going nonstop. So um, yeah, uh, definitely a guy to know coming out of today's practice. Uh, let's get to some more of these questions here. Uh, here's one for from uh, Neil Dutton, 13, uh, and, and Dutton, 13 on Twitter. How useful do you think it'll be seeing the lads having to perform in less than ideal weather conditions? So, C-Mac, I'll, I'll ask you this. It was miserable out there. Well, what do you what do you take uh, you know, from, uh, from these guys performing uh, outside in a driving rainstorm, which they did today? Well, let's go back to Perry and Winfrey for a second. You want to see who's going to set the tone for practice. Who's going to, you know, it could be rain. It could be the dog days of training camp. could be super hot outside. It's going to be a day that you're just, it's a grind. You may not want to be out there. You need someone who's going to bring the juice. So this goes back to seeing, you know, not so much the on-field stuff, but the intangibles, what kind of character these guys are going to bring to the table. So that aspect you want to see, and you want to see, you know, from the quarterbacks, you want to see, you know, how they're throwing the ball, you know, how they're handling the ball. Um, you're going to want to see, you know, the, the receivers and, and the running backs and, you know, their foot quickness and their ability to cut and same, same with the defensive backs. It, it's really just a bit of adversity and it's good to see because you had a, a nice, nice weather for the first day of practice, sixties, you know, little cool, but overall nice day in Mobile, Alabama on Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, guys are starting to get settled in. Well, you got to give them a little bit of adversity adversity, and see how they react to it. I think that's what's great about the draft process is you're putting obstacles in their way. This one from Mother Nature and just seeing how they react to it. So I think certainly the quarterbacks are the ones who probably are going to be the most challenged in terms of, you know, how they handle the ball, how they throw in the weather. Um, but you want to see how the guys adjust to, you know, just the elements and just being out there on a day that's not as pristine or as perfect as you know, you might want it to be for football, but definitely that national practice, the O-line, D-line, they Thank relished you. it. Yep. They were they were getting after it. They they enjoyed it, and I think that's what made, made it worthwhile to watch because you were excited. You know, you could feel that in the stands. You know, those of us who are standing there in, in the driving rain, you could feel the energy coming from the field because of how much the guys enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I tweeted that out. Like, I, they made it fun. Like, those guys made being out there in that storm fun, uh, which was good to see. You know, especially that that national team. And, and again, it wasn't just the defense. I felt like the offense kind of answered the bell. I feel like the defense kind of started it, uh, but the offense they they were they were bouncing right back. And so they, it was just good to have that level of energy uh, from that practice. Give a credit to uh, the Jets coaching staff for kind of creating that uh, that environment for those guys. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. It's all about just trying to see how these guys respond in those adverse conditions. I think that's the big thing uh, that you can kind of take away. Um, let's get to a, a question here. This one comes from a, a Pitt Panthers fan, uh, Richard Richards Phillip, 
ask the question, break down Kenny Pickett as much as you can. Obviously, Kenny Pickett's going to be a big topic of conversation down here. Potential first-round pick at the quarterback position, uh, the, the hand size. Uh, you know, I made the joke today. Uh, really, no one's really talking about the hand size of Kenny Pickett. Uh, I just, you know, you know how I feel about uh, the measurables. Our longtime listeners know how I feel about the measurables. Those things aren't a problem until they're a problem. And when you watch Kenny Pickett on film. They're not a problem. Uh, this guy, he's got solid tools across the board. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a cannon. He doesn't have an arm uh, like a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. That, that's not Kenny Pickett's game. Uh, that said, he doesn't have a bad arm either. We talked about that uh, on the show yesterday. Uh, he could drive the football a little bit. I think he's got solid arm strength. Uh, his athleticism is pretty good. We saw him make some big plays uh, as a runner. He can create. He's got that ability to, to make people miss. Uh, I love his accuracy uh, on the run. So uh, this is a guy that can create a little bit for you. Overall, the thing that stands out, especially watching him this season, C-Mac, he plays with a ton of confidence. He plays with a lot of poise and composure, whether he's under pressure uh, or not, he never looks rattled. And so that's one of the things that I really liked about studying Kenny Pickett. He's got repetitive accuracy, both from the pocket and on the move. He puts the ball where he wants to. He shows touch on downfield throws. Uh, he can make some throws from off platform, which is important. You need to be able to do that. I think uh, as a young quarterback in the NFL, um, he lets guys go make the play. Uh, and so you saw that whether it was uh, targeting his tight end, Lucas Kroll, whether he was targeting some of his, young receivers. I mean, his number one receiver won the Blitnikoff award this year. A big part of that is Kenny Pickett and the, the confidence he showed in him to be able to go and make a play. He threw a lot of interceptions early in his career. C-Mac, if you go, uh, you know, that, that touchdown interception ratio coming into the season was not a kind number, but I've gone back and watched all those interceptions. Just want to get a sense of like, all right, well, uh, was there a theme there? And, and to me, I mean, you saw a bunch of guys, uh, receivers falling down, drop passes that kind of bounce out. And it, that doesn't change the fact that they were interceptions. Right. But uh, I think there, you, I think you could pro provide a little context uh, to those numbers this year, the, the supporting staff around, or supporting cast around him really came through and made some plays. I talked about some of those guys, uh, obviously, you know, Addison, who's the receiver who won the, uh, the Blitnikoff award crawl. You know, he went, he was at the shrine bowl uh, last week, one of the top tight ends in college football. Those guys came through for him this year. And so you saw those interception numbers kind of go down and really the, you know, I think the comp, comfort and confidence level uh, really kind of went through the roof with Kenny Pickett this year, but uh, he's look, he's uh, going to be a really interesting player when it comes down to uh, how this quarterback class really kind of shapes out. I don't like the fact that he was downplaying his Eagles fandom today. That will be my, <laughs> my knock on him is that he he's a known Eagles fan, but when he was meeting the media today, Philly reporters were, you know, of course asking about it and he, you know, tried to kind of, you know, take a step back that it's about, you know, I'm, I want to be drafted by, an NFL team, you know, uh, that fandom kind of goes a, a little, little out the window. But the little bit I've seen here, you've mentioned the size, good enough arm, the mobility, all the stuff that you need to win in today's NFL, he seems to bring to the table. No doubt. Well, right, let's get to uh, let's get to the next question here from longtime listener Wilton Houston. Which prospects that are playing new positions have excelled the most? And, and C-Mac, I've got one on each side of the football. I'll let you think about uh, which one you wanted to bring up as well. Uh, for me, I'm going to go offensive line. Cole Strange, uh, working with the first team uh, for the national squad along the uh, at the center spot. And he's played some tackle. He's played some guard. He's trying his hand at center. Um, he, uh, It was funny, you know, during that practice today, we talked about how those, team, those guys were going back and forth up front. And there was one rep. Uh, they were doing one-on-ones. 
And he was, I, I didn't see exactly what happened to lead up to this point. I was, I had my eyes elsewhere, but he was fired up and was saying like, Hey, like brought the, brought the defensive lineman back to the carpet. I believe it was Travis Jones. If I remember, uh, if my memory serves and it was like, no, we're going again, we're going again, we're going again. Jones ends up beating him. Uh, so of course the D line, uh, ends up, you know, you know getting into in strangers face after. Um, but I think that he's fared pretty well. And this is a well put together kid. Uh, I've compared him in the past to like a Wyatt Teller when Wyatt Teller was coming out of Virginia Tech. I think he's got a very similar skill set. Uh, Teller did not prove that he could play center, and Strange is doing that this week. So I think I'll give a, a hat tip there to Cole Strange. And then on the other side, Sterling Weatherford, uh, college safety at Miami, Ohio, I believe a four-year starter. Uh, he's played a ton of special teams. He was playing in like the, the high 210s, uh, in the low 220s. He's up to 230. He looks good, um, and he's still figuring things out at linebacker. I was watching the linebacker individual drills. I think I, I said this to you uh, as I was watching C-Mac. They had to stop the drill like a number of times because uh, I think they're just trying to get him acclimated with the angles of his drops and which way he needs to be flipping his hips and, you know, based off uh, quarterback action and things of that nature, um, but he looks the part and he was, he was around the football often today uh, in team drill. So Sterling Weatherford, uh, the converted safety, making the move to linebacker. He, he looks the part. I think there's something to work with there. And he's a pretty good football player. Uh, I'm glad that he's making the move. I think he needs to make that move uh, going on to the NFL. Interesting. One of the notes I had from today, speaking of Weatherford was during the uh, pass protection drills where linebackers are going against the running backs and tight ends. He showed some pass rush technique mm. and ability to go get after the quarterback. It wasn't just a lot of guys are just coming in. They're using brute force. They're trying to bull rush uh, the running back or the tight end. But you saw a swim move. You saw, you know, saw a little, little bit of nuance there in terms of being able to uh, attack and get after get after the quarterback. So interesting that you know whether for there. Uh, I'll go with someone who I talked about on the podcast. I know uh, Dane talked about him on the podcast. And uh, a little anecdote from the end of practice today, Zion Johnson from Boston College. We're seeing him work in the interior a little bit at center here at the Senior Bowl. Uh, obviously has guard tackle experience. But one of the things uh, at the end of practice that caught my eye was Zion Johnson was one of the last players to leave the field because he wanted extra reps snapping yep. the ball. He was working with Kenny Pickett under center, uh, snapping the ball, just trying to get more and more acclimated, trying to get more and more comfortable with it. Because maybe center's not going to be his main position at the next level because he looks so strong at guard. But if you're you want to have that versatility, you want to be able to do many different things, you want to be that much more appealing to teams, help your draft stock. And it's it's a great from an open-mindedness standpoint that Zion Johnson's willing to take on the challenge and take those uh, extra reps at center this week. I'm glad you pointed that out. I think, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he and Pickett were the last two out there uh, on the field as they were working through. Uh, Someone left after them. I couldn't tell who it was, but I literally wanted to write down like Zion Johnson's the last person. He, he was helping like the equipment <laughs> guys get stuff yeah. off the field. But I don't know if there was like an interview or something taking place. There was another lineman who came like at the very end. And I'm like, I don't even know what that guy was doing, but <laughs> he's going to be the one that goes in the tunnel after Zion Johnson. So it, it kind of ruined my, uh, my story there, but the next to last guy off the field there was well, whatever Zion works Zion. for the narrative, whatever. That's all. That's all that matters. I, I spoke with Zion Johnson uh, this morning, Wednesday morning uh, at the media breakfast and he's really, really impressive kid. Uh, you know, just, I, I could tell that uh, he's a guy that's, you know, no surprise that he's had the level of success uh, that he has had. Let's get the, uh, the next question here. This one comes from Corey DiBiase. Uh, what trait do you like most 
about running back Devontae Price from FIU. It's a great question about a really interesting player. Uh, Devontae Price is a running back from FIU, as uh, Corey pointed out, 6'1", just under 200 pounds. He came in a little bit smaller uh, than I thought he would. He was listed 215, so he came in just sub-200. So pretty sizable difference there. But that said, when I've watched him on film, uh, two things stand out. Number one, he's got that that pretty well-built frame. Uh, at 6'1", he's got long arms, he's got a great wingspan. C-Mac, he's played over 350 special team snaps in his career. He started as a core four special teamer. So to me, when I look at Devontae Price, I say, all right, he's 6'1", he's 200 pounds. He's not like explosive, but when he gets to top gear, he's, he's got some juice as a runner. Um, and so I look at it and say like, okay, this guy can come in right now and play on Think about Corey Clement, 2017 undrafted free agent. What's the first thing he does? He's a, he's a, on kickoff, right? And he makes the first tackle of the 2017 season. That's correct. Champion, right. So Devontae Price, I say, okay, day one, this guy comes in, he's a, a third or fourth running back. He can work in short yardage uh, and he can play as a core four special teams player right now. So that's a, the, to me, that's the number that's, Probably the most alluring thing about Devontae Price is that I think he's got staying power early in his career. Watching him on film, he kind of reminds me of like a Levante or of a um a uh why can't I Latavius Murray, uh, who's had some success. He's bounced around the league a little bit. Uh Alexander Madison, who was a third round pick, and he's with uh the Minnesota Vikings, kind of a tall, high-cut runner. He's got some juice to him, he's got some physicality to him, not an A-plus trait, but again, you're talking about how does he kind of fit. I think he could be when you're talking about his ceiling, he could be a backup running back, and you feel really good about him sticking as a as a reserve running back and core special teamer. Uh, the fact that he's done that at a high level and he's got those traits. Uh, I really like uh, what that what he brings to the table from that standpoint. I like the comps. When I first saw him on the field and was like, this guy's a running back, he, he kind of reminded me of Josh Adams, who was the sure. leading yep. rusher. Um, Adams, a little more bulk, a little heavier, but probably was closer to what I guess Price was before he came down to the senior bowl. But there was a two-play stretch from Tuesday's practices. And I'm I i uh, I'm glad this question came up because after we record the podcast, there's always that one guy you want to name, that one play you want to, you wanted to bring up, but you didn't. And Price was actually that guy for me because on a two-play stretch, he had a great block and pass protection, just mm. absolutely stopped the guy cold, and then got the ball on the next play and darting. You talk about that long speed, broke a big run right up the middle of the field, and that kind of caught my eye there. So uh, glad we got the question here about Price, but uh, you know, great comps and great breakdown by you as always. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let's get to uh, our last question from a listener, Lewis Kimmelman. Uh, this is a good one. Do coaches get to spend any time with the players on the opposing team or are they limited to only their own team? So, uh, Lewis, it's a good question to answer. Yes, the co- the coaches get to spend time. They're, they're focused in on, on coaching the guys on their own team. That said, the scouts from their team are able to talk with whoever they want. Right. So uh, because honestly, like coaches, uh, you know, from around the NFL, if they're coming into the senior bowl, they have limited access with these players as well. So uh, it's not like, Oh, you know, the, the jets have no access to the, to the, uh, the lions players. And, and that's going to be, put them at a disadvantage. They're, they're going to be focused in on the guys on their roster, their scouting staff, their personnel staff. They're going to talk with all the other players uh, that are at the game and they'll go through all the, the same typical meetings uh, that they would be uh, put through the paces of otherwise. Great point. It's something I want to add to it. And this is something that uh, Jim Nagy and the senior bowl guys do a great job of. Uh, they have some HBCU coaches who are working during the week with the teams. Yep. And one of their roles is at the end of this, since they get to be embedded with the team and they see the players, they see how they are in the meeting room and, you know, behind the scenes where the scouts may not get to see or that we can't see on the field. 
they get to chart and take all these notes. The teams will later on reach out to these coaches to say, hey, what was Kenny Pickett like during a week? What was he like in meetings? What was he like around the other guys? So it creates a networking opportunity for these coaches. And these coaches get to show uh, a little bit of what they know and, and get to, you know, you know, take notes and give it back to the NFL team. So it creates a conversation, creates a dialogue there. So a uh, great thing that the senior bowl does to give these guys that added exposure. I love that. That's a good point uh, for your part. Something new that they have started uh, just this year, I believe. Um, all right, C-Mac, uh, I think that's it. Any other kind of takeaways, final thoughts uh, from the practice? Obviously, like I said, here's a, a, one player, uh, Bo Melton. We haven't talked about him yet. Uh, wide receiver from Rutgers. Uh, he's another guy where I think you're talking about, okay, well, what is the role for him at the next level? He's probably more uh, of like a, a third, fourth, fifth receiver as opposed to a number one, number two guy. Uh, but what I like about Bo Melton and where he has shined really the, the first two days, people are really struggling to get a, a hand on this guy early in the down. He, he's beating press coverage uh, really, really well, whether it's in one-on-ones or in team, he's just really slippery. Uh, and so that, I think that's one thing. Uh, just want to kind of throw it. just kind of a random note. I don't know if you've got any final thoughts or anything else uh, from the notebook to, uh, to throw out there. Before uh, I'm, I'm just trying to scroll through. I'm not, see, I, I didn't get to hear what you, the guys you and Dane highlighted. So I don't want to kind of uh, repeat those guys. Um, sure. Trevor Penning is someone who, I think he's relishing being the bad guy. If we're talking about wrestling, he would like to be the heel. He's a heel. Um, yep. You know, I think he's enjoying the, you know, that the defensive linemen, uh, you know, want to get cracks at him at practice and, and, and pending during his media availability this morning talked about being, you know, the nastiest, toughest guy on the field. And he wants to carry that ad to uh, throughout. So that that's one thing that stood out to me. We're talking about receivers, Christian Watson from, from North Dakota state threw some pass interference penalties today, mm. high point, a couple balls, uh, just looks very fluid in his route running. I thought Vel- Velis Jones from uh, Tennessee makes a place. Too, Velis right? Jones, Velis Jones had, had, a, had a deep ball, uh, during the one-on-one drills earlier today during the afternoon practice, Velis Jones, another guy I wrote down, uh, Calvin Austin, the third out of Memphis. Catches everything. Uh, uh, obviously, yeah, you know, smaller guy, uh, you know, five foot seven, I think he came in at, but he's got a little juice, has a shake to get some separation. So it's another guy who uh, who uh, drew some eyeballs today. So, you know, some some love for the receivers there to end the, end the pod. Yeah, as we talked about yesterday, I didn't watch too many of the receivers today. I was more focused on uh, the combo players and the uh, the trench guys. Da- Damian Pierce, uh, another player, the Florida running back. Dane, uh, that's your guy. I love him yesterday. That's your guy. Uh, so, yeah, your Damian guy. Pierce, uh, pass pro and running the football. He, he looked good today. Uh, this running back group, uh, we mentioned it earlier this week. It's a good group overall. But uh, C-Mac, we've got uh, one more day of practice. Uh, it'll be indoors, but uh, they're still going to get some work in uh, on Thursday over at the South Alabama campus. We'll bring it all down right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by my life brand.